blind men. Matthew twenty thirty to 34 And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside. When they heard that Jesus passed by, they cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And Jesus stood still, and called them, and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them, and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. So the two blind men. Behold, two blind men. There are many important lessons for us in this short passage. First, we see a sorrowful picture. Two blind men. They were poor. They sat by the wayside, evidently begging. They were men who had no promise to live on, no prospect to encourage them. So were all of us at some point. And at one time, having no promise and without hope, all who are without Christ are indeed without hope. They were blind. They had no eyes even to look on the passing Savior. This is a picture of those who are destitute of spiritual vision, walking in darkness, having no light. They were poor. They were blind. They were also helpless. Although there were two of them, the one could in no way help the other. All are alike guilty and powerless before the Lord. Help must come from above. They were poor, they were blind, and they were helpless. They had a sorrowful picture, a sorrowful state. Next, there was a passing opportunity. Jesus passed by. Jesus passed by. In the coming near of the Son of God lies man's only chance at getting deliverance from the power of darkness. These men embraced their opportunity by putting themselves in the way, the Bible tells us. Jesus passed by, and they were in the way. Jesus has come near by the light of his word. Flee not from him by preferring the darkness over the light. Hosea 7.13 says, Woe unto them, for they have fled from me. Destruction unto them, because they have transgressed against me. Though I have redeemed them, yet they have spoken lies against me. Don't prefer darkness over the light. Don't prefer a sinful lifestyle over the light. Don't dwell in that state. Don't speak lies. Don't transgress. Don't sin against the Lord Jesus. Be in the way. Seek the light that he can come near you and help you. Help you in that situation. Next, I want you to notice there was an earnest prayer. There was an earnest prayer. The Bible tells us they cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord. A simple, earnest, and wonderful way to pray. They cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord. What else is there to say? When we pray to the Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord. We're asking for his mercy, and we're acknowledging him as the Lord of our life. Or crying out earnestly, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, my Lord. Notice the boldness of this prayer. They cried out. It was nothing to them who heard their voice. They were poor men crying out of the depths of their dire and conscious need. They had faith. They cried, saying, Lord. They acknowledged him as Messiah. They acknowledged him as Master. They acknowledged him as the Lord of their life, as the Lord of the world, as the Lord of heaven. They acknowledged all of that. 
Do you believe on the Son of God? Have you confessed him as Lord? Is he your Lord? Is Jesus your Lord? Have you cried out? Have you acknowledged that? Have you invited him into your heart? Is he your Lord? Do you believe that he lived? Do you believe that he died on the cross for our sins? Do you believe he was buried again and then rose again the third day, ascended back into heaven? And all that because he loved us. All that because he wants to see you in heaven with him. Do you believe that? Have you confessed that? Have you acknowledged that? Have you invited him into your heart? Is he the Lord of your life? Have you had faith in that? They had boldness. They had faith in their prayer. Now notice the petition in their prayer. Simple petition. Have mercy on us. That's all they asked. Have mercy on us. They confessed their helplessness and their need by begging for mercy. The prayer of the self-righteous is, I am not as other men, Luke 18.11, or have patience with me and I will pay thee, Matthew 18.26. No, they said what was stated in Luke 18.23, God be merciful to me. Have mercy on us. God be merciful to me, a sinner. I am a sinner in need of your help, Lord. Have mercy on us. There is boldness in their prayer. There is faith in their prayer. There is the petition of their prayer. Now notice the wisdom in their prayer. When they heard, they cried. When they heard, they cried. They did not wait for a more convenient season. They did not wait for a better time. I'm too busy right now to pray. I have a need. I have a great need. But I'm just too busy to pray. I have other things to do. I'm going to try to solve this problem on my own. Let me go to all the the doctors first and see if they can solve this problem. Let me talk to my friends, see if they can solve this problem. Let me try to figure this problem out on my own. Then, later, I will seek the Lord. When they heard, they cried. They did not wait for a better time. They did not wait for a more convenient season. They did not wait until they exhausted everything. When they heard, they cried. Immediately, they cried. When they heard, they cried. Faith cometh by hearing, they heard. Romans 10.17 They heard the Lord was passing by. They heard he was right there. Faith cometh by hearing. Hear, and your soul shall live. Isaiah 55.3 They heard, they cried. Second Corinthians 6.2 says this, For he saith, I have heard thee, and a time accepted. In the day of salvation I have succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. They heard, they cried. Perhaps you haven't placed that faith. Perhaps you cannot call him your Lord. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, why don't you call unto the Lord? Now, why don't you make him your Savior? Acknowledge you are a sinner. Acknowledge he came to earth to pay that penalty for our sins. For the wages of sin is death. He paid that penalty for us. Because he loved us so much. He commendeth his love towards us. He loved us so much that he came and died on the cross for us. Rose again the third day. And now is in heaven waiting for us. Waiting for us to call on him. Waiting for us to establish that relationship with him. Waiting for us to make him the Lord of our life. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. They heard and they cried. 
Next one, she noticed there was a rebuking crowd. The multitude rebuked them. Anxious and inquiring sinners are often rebuked by a multitude of false fears, false feelings, false teachers, false advisors. But perhaps a greater obstacle lies in the multitude of inconsistent Christians around them who outwardly follow Christ, but who have no sympathy with him, no sympathy to those in need, no sympathy to the great work of his saving of sinners. Perhaps that is one of the greatest obstacles. Hypocritic Christians, inconsistent Christians, Christians who profess by mouth, but who do not live the life like they should. Deal with the hindrances that arise, the failings of some professing Christians, and do what these blind men did with the rebuking multitude. Cry the more. They cried the more. They ignored all of it, knew the Lord was true. They focused on him, and they cried the more. When you need Jesus, cry the more. Cry the more. Next, I want you to notice a willing Savior. He willeth not the death of any. He stood. They cried in need. And an incredible power the cry of a needy sinner has to get the attention of our Savior. And draw out of the living waters of divine compassion. He stood. What a privilege. He stood. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Revelation 3.20. Jesus is there knocking on your heart's door. You have a need, go to him. If he's not your Savior, go to him. Believe in him. Acknowledge him. Turn to him. Accept him as your Savior by faith, through his grace, and the work that he has done on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. He stands at the door and knocks on the door of your heart. Go to him. Accept him as your Savior. Next, called. Liberty of access is now given, nearness invited. He seeks the fellowship of those whom he blesses. He that stands at the door and knocks still calls, If any man hear my voice and open a door, Revelation 3.20, he has made room for you. Make room for him in your life. Make him the Lord of your life. Next, I want you to notice there was a gracious offer. What will ye that I should do unto you? Verse 32. He invited them. Now he throws a door of infinite fullness wide open before them, that all their needs may be fully met. Oh, what a wonderful Savior Jesus is. The rebuking multitude cannot hinder him from pouring out the treasures of his love and grace upon all who come. Come unto me, and I will give ye. What do you need? What do you need from him? Seek him. Jesus says here, What will ye that I should do unto you? Tell him what you need, and he will meet your need. Next, I want you to notice a perfect cure. God's remedy for a needy man is a wonderful compound of infinite love and precious blood. The order here is very beautiful. He had compassion. The need of the blind man touched the very depths of his heart, and his whole soul moved out in the mighty, misery-melting mercy. Our needs touch his heart. He will have compassion on us. Seek him out. In an earnest prayer, cry out. When people discourage you, cry the more. And seek him out, and he will have compassion. Next, he touched their eyes. The presence of Jesus is always a conscious presence. To be blessed, we must come within his touch. Here the dead live. The sin is blotted out. 
His gentle yet almighty touch, his gentle yet almighty hand is laid on the cause and the source of their misery. He will get personally involved in your situation. You will see the touch of his hand. You may not see it right away, but in hindsight, as you look back, after you've come through the other side of that storm, the other side of that problem, you'll see the touch of his hand. Next, they received their sight. What a change. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Salvation is a very great and conscious blessing. They received their sight. They once were blind, but now they see. All because of the touch of the Master's hand. All because Jesus passed by. All because they heard. They had faith. They believed. There was an earnest prayer. They cried out. There were discouraging voices. They cried out the more. They heard. They believed. They had faith. He had compassion. He touched their eyes. He was a present help, a present touch in their life. And they received their sight. Now what was the result of all this? They followed him. He touched them. Now they keep in touch with him. They are living a blessed life. Follow me. Wilt thou go with this man? Follow me. He had compassion. Jesus has compassion on us. He knows our needs. He'll have mercy on us. He touched their eyes. Jesus is an ever-present part of our life, a personal interest in our life, a personal touch to our life. They received their sight. Their prayer was answered. They received their sight. If we are blind in sin, you can receive the sight of salvation. All things can pass away. Behold, all things will become new in your life. Salvation is a very great and conscious blessing. And then they followed him. We need to be following him. We need to be following him. If you are not saved, you need to receive your sight. If you are saved, follow him. Follow him. Embrace that conscious touch in your life. Have faith that it's there. Have faith that he's working. Have faith that he's in the situations. Ignore your own doubting thoughts. Ignore your own rebuking in your own mind. Your conscious, your subconscious may be filling your mind with doubts. Put that away and cry the more. Have faith in him. He will work it out according to his will. Wilt thou go with this man? Follow me.